Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Melis Tufur. Melis also has her own podcast in Turkish. So if you understand Turkish, I definitely invite you to check it out. <laughs> she she touches on some very interesting topics that make me wish that I could understand Turkish really. In this episode, Melis walks her through her role as a data translator. She touches on the responsibilities she has, on the skills that are crucial to be successful in such a role, and talks about different projects she worked on, from market research to marketing mix modeling, which she, by the way, gives a very well detailed explanation of. So if you want to know more about marketing mix modeling, you're definitely going to find something here. But basically, in 2018, HBR published an article saying that the role of the analytics translator, or more commonly known as a data translator, was a must-have role for a company, and Melis is giving us some details on what it means to be a data translator. Just so you know, this episode was recorded a while back, and that will explain all the mention of the pandemic and COVID-19. Let's get to it. Hi, Melis. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me here. I'm really pleased to be the part of this lovely podcast as a woman in the research and data analytics industry for more than 25 years. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my pleasure to to have you today. And you are joining us from Turkey. This is absolutely exciting. Melis, before we get into the topic of data translator, can I invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, I graduated from university in mid-90s where I studied economics. And actually, at that point, I had no idea about my future career. Short after university, I worked as an economics journalist for about one and a half years. It was the first time that I was faced with how important data was to understand the dynamics behind business and people's preferences. So I decided to change my job and started to work in Nielsen. Then after two years, I changed sectors and moved to media and planning. But I, at that time, I didn't change my job. I continued to work as researcher there. I spent most of my time in global media planning and buying agencies like Mindshare and Universal McKen. Additionally, I have had an entrepreneurship experience through a partnership with an analytics company from Spain. <laughs> This is my short career story. I feel like I know what analytics company we are talking about. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> is it the one with Macarena? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> that That's really great, Melis. And so you introduce yourself as a data translator and it's very funny because so HBR has been talking about that only for mm -hmm. it's been three years that people are starting to talk about data translator but you you've been doing that for longer than that 
What is the role of a data translator? Generally speaking, I'm a marketing and communication researcher and work as coordinator analytics projects where I connect the technical teams with brands owners and brand agency teams. I learned in Nielsen some conventional research techniques, mainly basic descriptive analysis. But in media planning sector, I had experience with predictive analysis uh, known as market mix modeling. While I was at Mindshare, I set up a team and invested in our trainings to develop our skills in marketing data analytics. I had no bit difficulties because my team was made up of engineers and mathematicians. These backgrounds made our life very easy. We started this project this in mid-2000. I guess it was the first initiative in media planning and buying sector in Turkey. Of course, we benefited the, from the global network that we belonged to at that time. Uh, if you don't mind, Karen, I'd like to say a special thanks to Katya from Russia and Makarina from Spain, who have been your previous guests in this podcast series. This woman supported me and my team during all these tough times. I'm sending my lost of thanks again them. But three years ago, I read an article like you in Harvard Business Review. This article was about analytics translator, or as more commonly named, data translator. As I remember the headline, which was something like that, you don't need to be a data scientist to take a role through the data analytics process. <laughs> they were right. I had been involved in many market mix modeling projects without doing modeling, without being data scientist. It seemed very cool to me. I like it also because this name is more attractive in such a crazy data-driven world. <laughs> Especially nowadays, I guess. <laughs> yes. Data translator is the person who can understand and or define the business challenge and find a solution by working with the analytical teams. Knowledge about the sector of the brand and about the media planning is crucial. Because we need to make the big or small data meaningful for everybody. In addition to business and technical knowledge, good communication skills are, are also very important because data translators have to talk to both sides and deliver their needs and capabilities to each other. Sometimes they need to use different languages. On the other hand, in my opinion, Data translators are not only needed in data analytics, but they are also needed in marketing research as well. Because we are passing through an age of crisis and big changes when considering about the pandemic and its bad effect on economics. Acceleration of digital migration, rising post-truth culture, big threat of global warming and climate change, all of these issues will bring radical changes in consumer behavior and preferences. So qualitative or quantitative, every single piece of data we have is very precious because we are living in an age of uncertainty and we need to understand what's happening to the people in society. So to me, all consumer segmentations done before pandemic became based because people's values, motivations, shopping habits, media consumption, category involvement, and brand preferences have changed rapidly and continue to change. 
look, if you do a predictive analysis, you need to have back data because if you know the past, you can predict the future. I hear that and we see it at work. You you did mention the, um, the current situation with COVID, etc. And mm-hmm. at work, for example, we can definitely see shopping behaviors have changed mm-hmm. because uh, we were in lockdown and it, it just means that everything that is predictive analytics is going to be very difficult yes. for the for the coming years. So how do you suggest we approach this thing around including other things inside? This is why I'm saying data translators should be in conventional research sites as well as the analytical sites. Marketing researcher should benefit from different sources such as the ones collected from the field or supplied by artificial intelligence as well as marketing data Different sources should be considered by data translators too. They should be curious and good readers about literature, economics, politics, psychology, everything. I call this interdisciplinary approach as connecting the dots. If we go back to the subject, what skills are needed to be a data translator? In order to connect the teams, they should connect the data. They should be open-minded and able to read any kind of data, big, small, qualitative, quantitative, novels, news, everything. Yeah, I hear what you're saying here. So basically, it is very much connecting data from different data mm-hmm. sources, so not relying on only one set of data to either predict the future or build your segmentations. It's really looking at everything, mixing market research and also behavioral data that we will see in our databases to be able to to have a 360 view, let's say, of what people are doing. Uh, it's funny because I've had someone, Elisa Morariu, who was talking about something a bit similar. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is just like you, she comes from market research. So I definitely see you guys having this trend of wanting to mix different sources of data. I like it. Mm-hmm. You, you did mention all these things about connecting the dots you said, which I I quite like. Do you have an example of doing that with with COVID-19 or the lockdowns, for example? Yes, yes, we have. As a researcher and data translator, me and my team designed a survey, which was conducted into two phases from the beginning of the pandemic Turkey. Although it was a quantitative survey, we applied some qualitative analytic techniques in this project. Here we used descriptive and discourse analysis together. On this survey, one of our questions was open-ended. Just we asked people how they felt, how did they cope with the pandemic. We did the segmentation based on these stories. Stories varied from economical problems to psychological ones. We read neuroscientific research reports which explained how the brain reacts to uncertainty and what possible outcomes will happen in the short term. We combined the science with what people told us and show our clients what barriers and opportunities there are for their brands in such a blurred, hard times. We pointed out that communication around solidarity and purpose should be the priority for the brand. Let me give an, give an example. Uh, We saw from the survey 
during COVID-19 lockdown days, people use their hands more than before. Female up by 50% and males up by 30% for housekeeping, cooking, sanitizing, etc. According to stories we received, people are not only bored with being at home, but also they are tired. So they are tired and they, because they work hard uh, by their hands. So they needed to be understood and appreciated. Based on these insights, one of our client brand, Neutrogena, launched an emotional and, and empathetic campaign showing how brand understand and appreciated these people whose hands were irritated during lockdown. The slogan in this campaign became help to your hands. The, we have we have a saying in Turkish, ellerinize sağlık. Um, this is a phrase of thanks of working especially with hands, like cooking, cleaning, etc. So this slogan slogan has a dual meaning. One is to thanks to the people. The other is wishing health for them, wishing health for their hands. With this campaign, Neutrogena completed three important tasks. While it was reminded itself in such hard times, also said thank you back to the consumer and shared its good wishes with them. Despite COVID-19 pandemic, and any other big threats. People are programmed to survive, Karen. This is the key point of humanity. So we always try to find a way. Brands owners should be should be aware of the problems, not only the ones related to their products and the brands, but also relate to the world and humanity. This is so true. Uh, we are <laughs> programmed to survive. But I I can definitely relate to your survey of using your hands more and feeling tired uh, from being home and having to do all this extra work that we were not doing before. <laughs> this sounds like good fun. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot of fun digging into that data and creating this great analysis for Neutrogena. I'm sure they were very pleased with that. So you were talking about marketing mix modeling before, and mm-hmm. this is a, a different piece of analysis. So could you maybe tell us a bit more around your your work around marketing mix modeling? Okay. As a translator, I'm bridging between the analytics and business team to build uh, market mix modeling projects. What, what is market modeling is it is a regression technique to measure and quantify marketing activities. It's a, it's a mathematical approach and combination of business economics and econometrics. Market mix modeling is used to quantify incremental sales generated by each marketing drivers. Um, here you can take another metrics as dependent variables like brand attributes or some other things. But sales or market share, market share are usually the model in advertising industry. But, but my role in this process, uh, let me tell about it. First, as a translator, I need to work with the client to clarify the marketing challenge. Here, the client might be the brand owners or colleagues from the agency where I work. After understanding what the client needs to know, I must check if their marketing data sources are available. Basically, We need historical sales, promotion, price data, depending on the sector. If it is an FMCG brand, distribution or non-distribution 
is necessary. If it is a retailer brand, uh, we need the number of shops and number of web or physical shop visit trends. And also I search for sports, some external variables like temperature, some basic macroeconomic indicators like inflation, unemployment, foreign exchange rates, etc. After setting a reasonable modeling structure and determining which data will be required in the modeling process, I continue to work with technical teams. Every market has its own basic realities. Karen, you, 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 know, you know it. You, you cannot copy-paste in marketing analytics. So we evaluate initial results with the client. If there is a problem with the initial model, then we check the data and rework our approach. Clients should feel comfortable with the initial results. They should be in line with clients' markets' realities. Anyway, after getting confirmation of initial results, I keep working on the project with technical teams to find the story behind the actual data and to deliver an answer to the challenge which was determined at the beginning of the project. Once you learned what happened in the past, in other words, simulate your actual sales, that means you can know, you know, which marketing and non-marketing variables have effect on the sales. More importantly, we can calculate the amount of effect of each variables on the sales. I understand the fact that when you said, you know, you can't copy and you can't copy and paste a, a marketing no. mix model, but so this is great how you're putting the whole thing together but what exactly is the goal of the of the marketing mix model the the main goal is to calculate the return on media and marketing investment on the sales and by decomposing the sales seeing the share of each variables on total sales there are three kinds of mmm outcomes one is media outcomes the second one is about marketing tools and also external ones. What are the media outcomes? The most famous one is ROI, return on media investment, which shows incremental sales generated by media investment. And also we can calculate, we can see the carryover rate and efficient investment level. So we can show the client how long the media impact lasts and uh, what is the level of diminishing return for investment as well. And also, we can calculate impact of competitor media investment on the brand sales. These are so crucial in media investment. Based on these outcomes, we can calculate optimum budget, optimum media split. We can recommend the best advertising investment phasing plan too. Also, marketing variables like price, distribution, promotion, or effect on the sales are another important outcomes of market mix modeling. This is the summary of market mix modeling. Yeah, that, that was really great. Thank you. So it gives us a, a good view. So for, these, for those who are not very familiar with MMM, it definitely gives a, a good view of what it is and how it's used. Thank you. As mentioned earlier, this episode was recorded a while back. And if you've been following the podcast, you will have noticed that at some point I introduced this last question where I asked the guest if they can share 
something that they listen to or that they read that helps them in their professional and personal development. When I recorded the episode with Melis, I hadn't actually started asking this question, but she was kind enough to send me an audio. As we talked before, I believe that a researcher should be open-minded and up-to-date. I'm lucky because politics, economics, and art are my personal passions because I think they are necessary for my career. Uh, I'm using many kinds of sources like books, digital media, radio, TV series, museums, and art galleries. Nowadays, I'm reading Normal People by Sailor Rooney and the Turkish classical novels simultaneously. Also, some academic books about economics and articles coming from sectoral partners and uh, some digital panels. As a researcher, um, I'm really interested in social media like Twitter and Facebook, where I can understand trends, discussions, as well as social and political expectations and frustrations. I'm reading and analyzing the comments and uh, what has been shared on YouTube uh, and in some Discord communities to see how people's, especially young people, people's perceptions vary and to predict direction of change. Um, you know, I, I'm also I'm also a podcaster of a digital news platform in Turkey. So I have many guests on my program from different sections of society and with different expertise. Um, so they help me to understand the current picture of the world from different perspectives. Thank you so much, Melis, for joining me on the Women in Data podcast. I thank you for inviting me, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.